You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Gansert. I hope everyone's enjoying their summer. You know, we were off last week, and I certainly missed visiting with each of you, but don't worry, we're back today with another great show. We'll have an action-packed summer full of incredible shows about some fantastic animal stars appearing uh, on summer movies and, of course, about the animals in our lives. Up first today, we have a terrific celebrity guest. You know her for her role as Lily Evander Woodson on the hit show Gossip Girl, Miss Kelly Rutherford. Following Kelly is Dr. Patricia Olson, one of the most renowned veterinary researchers in the world. And for the last few years, Dr. Olson has been at American Humane Association, serving as our chief veterinary advisor. You know, at the end of this month, Patty will be retiring. She's had a remarkable career, really celebrating the power of the human-animal bond and doing such incredibly noble and laudable work for animal health and well-being. And we want to pay tribute to her on today's show. Kelly and Patty are both huge cat advocates, and it's perfect because June is Adopt-A-Cat Month, as you know. Adopt-A-Cat Month occurs every June because we're on the tail of kitten season, which happens every spring with millions of newborn kitties joining the millions of cats that are already housed in our nation's shelters. That means your local shelter has tons of cute cuddly newborns, in addition to the mellow, older kitties, and everything in between. And the shelter staff is ready to help you adopt your very first cat or to bring home a friend for another beloved cat. In fact, for Father's Day, my dad is going to get Rosebud. Yes, Rosebud is coming into my dad's life, and I can't wait to provide that introduction. I tell you, Rosebud is a very special kitty coming from Florida, from Janet's Wonderful's home, and we're going to bring Rosebud into my dad's life. Really excited about that meeting and excited about their bond starting to occur just next week. But before we really delve into talking about kitties, let's shift over for a serious moment to talk about dogs. You know, as part of my job, I spend a lot of time in and out of airports around our great country. And just this week, though, I have to tell you, I witnessed something that was horrifying to me. And I knew it probably would anger so many of our listeners out there. And I bet for those travelers, you see things like this that happen all the time. You know, I saw a case of real prejudice against a service dog, something that should really never happen. You know, I'm sitting there at a U.S. Air gate, and uh, I see as they're starting to board, the gate attendant lets a beautiful bomb-sniffing lab walk on the plane with his handler. They were happy. Yeah, that dog was happy. Tell just a wagon. He was focused on his work, and he was going to board the plane to travel to another part of our country to do some great service. These dogs, as you know, save thousands of lives in communities across our country, and those bomb-sniffing dogs, you have seen them do terrific work overseas when they serve as military working dogs, working right in line with our military to sniff out IEDs and other sorts of explosive materials. You know, most people that we meet celebrate these dogs that do such heroic things. 
What I saw was a witness of an example of a woman complaining, complaining loudly to the U.S. air attendant, you shouldn't have a dog on a plane. The dog should be crated and underneath the plane and on and on and on. And I sat there just shocked and so saddened. After she did her little diatribe against dogs, the gate attendant said, that dog's a working dog, ma'am, and is allowed on the plane. The woman then proceeded to go and get on the plane and take her seat, and I stopped at the gate attendant, and I said, thank you. Thank you for what you did. And I said, you know, just as well as I, that dogs like that save thousands of lives. He said, I do. He said, and I know what they do overseas for us. And he said, on top of that, I love dogs sometimes more than I love people. (laughs) And I got it very quickly. I want to say congratulations to that gate attendant. He did the right thing. He handled that situation beautifully. And I love the fact that his heart for that service dog and that working dog was terrific. You know, happily, most people that we know, especially the people in our lives, really love and celebrate these working dogs, these service dogs, these therapy dogs, these bomb-sniffing dogs, these arson dogs, because they know that they're doing their job, helping to protect their handlers, acting as their eyes, their ears, or their nose. And in cases of some, that's a wonderful hero dog in my life, Daisy, cheering us on, perhaps those also, some of those dogs, detect seizures and other bad things that are going to occur, particularly if there's service dogs acting in those capacities for their handlers. You know, this is the kind of thing we can't stand for. I know our listeners will do the right thing and set people straight when they witness those kinds of prejudices against working dogs. All of these dogs are heroes in my book and deserve all the recognition that they can get. And speaking of hero dogs, it's American Humane Association's way of celebrating those working dogs who do courageous things in our lives. Voting is now open for the semi-finalist round of the 2014 Hero Dog Awards. Yes, there are 24 semi-finalists that have been really identified through over a million votes in our first round of voting among the eight categories. So you simply log on to HeroDogAwards.org to submit one vote per day until June 30th for your favorite among our fantastic slate of 24 semi-finalists hero dogs. But that's not all. We're not done recognizing heroes and hero dogs. We're also recognizing some heroic humans in this year awards. We've just opened up voting for the first ever American Humane Association Hero Veterinarian and Hero Veterinarian Technician Award. Visit HeroVetAwards.org to read the stories of five finalist hero vets and five finalist hero vet techs to cast your vote for your favorite in each category. You can vote once per day per category until July 21st. All of these human heroes have inspiring stories, and I know you will have a tough decision to make. So vote for your favorite hero dog, and also vote for those human heroes who help provide our animals in our lives with the best quality of life through incredibly wonderful health care. We've got more coming up in just a moment. We'll be right back on Be Humane. You're listening to Pet Life Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's dinner time in America, where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert recommended foods than any place else. 
And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands, like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All right, we're back, and I'm so thrilled to have the chance to speak with my next guest on today's show, and I know you're going to love hearing her stories. My guest today is the very talented and beautiful actress who's appeared on a number of shows over the years. Several of her notable roles include that of Sam Whitmore on NBC's daytime soap opera Generations, Megan Lewis on Fox's long-running primetime drama Melrose Place, and as Lily on Gossip Girl. But of course, we're talking to her today about her love of all animals. Please welcome Kelly Rutherford to today's show. How are you, Kelly? I'm good. How are you doing? Wonderful. We're so glad you could join us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Kelly, I know you're a pet owner and you have a love of all animals, but I was just reading an article from a few years back about how your gorgeous Australian cattle dog, Oliver, saved you. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, we always say we rescue animals, and I always think it's the opposite. I think they really rescue us, and I feel that way about Oliver, for sure. He lives 19 years, wow. and he just passed on recently, but he, I mean, he was healthy until the day he passed on, and, you know, he saw me through so many things. He, you know, went to the set with me every day. He traveled with me. He saw me through the birth of two children, and um, he's just, he was so... Um, a part of my life. You know, he was never on a leash. We just followed each other everywhere. And even when we'd go for a walk in Central Park, I'd always ask him, you know, we'd get to the corner and I'd say, well, you know, which way do you want to go? He'd look <laughs> back and forth. And then he'd start in a direction and I'd say, okay, good. So, you know, we, we had this sort of, you know, relationship that I, you know, I don't know. I'm sure many people do have with their animals. And I hope they do. So that's beautiful. And I'm sure people in Central Park seeing this beautiful cattle dog, Oliver, walking with you off leash. I'm sure it caught a lot of eyes and a lot of wonderful smiles, too, as as you both walk together. And, you know, what a wonderful story in 19 years. Just an amazing life. Amazing life. You know, in Central Park, every every morning before 9 a.m., all the dogs can run off the leash and then again after 9 p.m. So it's just it's such a beautiful thing to see all these dogs and, and everyone becomes friends and everyone gets made children and their dogs and it's a great community. It's a great oh. community. And now I have two kittens and two rabbits. Well, tell so us I about those bunnies. Farm. 
I need a farm. I need a ranch or a farm or something because it's like I have an Upper East Side little farm growing in my apartment. But well, I adopted the kittens because Beth Byrne was doing this thing for Hallmark called the Kitten Bowl, and she Todd Crin actually set that up for us on Mutual Friend, and and um, so it was really sweet. I was there with the kittens, and one came and sat in my lap, and I thought, oh no, and then fell asleep, and then we cuddled, and then. I called my son, who's at home, and I said, sweetie, what do you think? Should I bring a kitten home? And he said, well, mommy, I think you should only bring a kitten home if you have a brother or sister. You should bring him home, but you should see if he has a brother or sister, too. And I said, oh, that's such a good idea. Aww. So I went in the back, and he had a little brother there. So I brought both of them home, and my mother laughed later. She said, you called your 11-year-old son to ask me if you should bring kittens home. I said, you know, wanting to get a tattoo and calling a tattoo artist and, and seeing if they would think you <laughs> <laughs> it was like, okay, you knew what the answer was going to be. But I, I loved his response, you know, which was, you know, Mommy, I think it's a good idea. But, you know, because with the rabbits, we did that. We adopted two brothers um, that their mom had just been adopted. And we were so excited because, you know, you have one, it's hard. Dogs are a little different because they bond differently. But, you know, with animals that stay home all day, it's nice, you know, to have two. I think that's a great, great story. And the kitten bowl was adorable, absolutely adorable on Hallmark. Oh, isn't it great? It really, really was. And I so love that story, especially with your child saying that. You know, it just really, it's so heartwarming, so heartwarming because you've you've taught him that compassion and empathy and that'll be with him forever. I just think that's fantastic. What a great mom you are. Great mom of animals and uh, children. (laughs) <laughs> it's terrific. I know. Well, you know, they're so pure. Their love is so pure, and they teach us so much about nature, and it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yes, it is. You know, I was just reading this week that a cat in England named Poppy was the world's oldest cat. She just passed away, 24 years old. And I was just <gasps> thinking about Oliver being 19. I don't know how cat years equal, but both of those wise, wise Oliver and wise, wise Poppy. When I think about the mm. ages of animals, they have a lot that they uh, pick up from us in that time. I'd really like to know what Poppy was thinking in her 24 years, don't you? No kidding. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. I love that. And she probably had a great British accent, too. She yes. probably drank tea every day. <laughs> That's <laughs> that exactly right. <laughs> Maybe that was. Yeah. We need to invest in some British tea. I love it. I love it. Oh, and I lo- love the story about adopting the kitties from North Shore. They do great work up at North Shore. Yeah. You know, this June, it's Adopt-A-Cat Month. It's been American Humane Celebratory Week for a number of years to celebrate, really, people taking this chance, this moment in time to stop and to consider bringing a cat into their lives. And we think that's so powerful because not only did you do one kitty, you did two. And so what we also tell folks who already have cats in their homes this June, really consider bringing home another one just to get those kitties out of shelters where we know they have such a high chance, a high probability of being euthanized. There are, what, 12 and a half million kittens are going to be born this mm-hmm. kitty season? And so many wow. of those just don't have a chance of having a forever loving home like Poppy and like those two new kittens that you've just brought into your life. 
Well, people don't realize is when you get two, it's actually easier for you. You know, they have someone to play around with. My two kittens are like little ninjas. You know, they run around, they chase each other, they groom each other. You know, there's something that happens. I feel less guilty if I'm gone all day knowing Mm -hmm. that they're curled up together. You know, they become less needy of you. And I mean, they're very cuddly with me. They cuddle with me all night and they're very, very sweet. But it's nice to know that they have a partner, you know, someone to play with and cuddle with. And the same with the little rabbits. They're adorable together. I have them in a little hut where they can go, they have freedom, they have a little hut, but they, they have their little safe haven and then they can go anywhere they want in the apartment. But they're very sweet, you know, and I think two is always nice. So people don't realize, you know, you don't go sit and have a lonely animal mm-hmm. and it's not any more work. Mm-hmm. That's anyway, a good point. You know? That's exactly right. You're doing it anyway. You're so. feeding them anyway <laughs> or you're doing whatever you're doing, you know. You may as well get two and have them live happy, you know, lives where they have someone, a brother or a sister or a friend that, that they have to bond with because I think they live longer that way. I know, you know, having that love in their life and that comfort too, like all of us, you know, we all live longer when we have someone in our lives that we love and Mm-hmm. It's really important. So mm-hmm. true. And, you know, Dr. Marty Becker, known famously as America's veterinarian, he's on the board of directors at American Humane Association, and he's been our spokesperson for Be Kind to Animals Week, and he says that very same thing. Animals do live longer. They're much healthier when there are multiple animals in the household. So he says, if you have mm-hmm. a dog, get a second one. If you have a cat, get a second one, because it does just add to their health and to their well-being. And that's really important for us to know as we uh, look at our homes, and especially in these celebratory months. This is like Adopt-A-Cat month. It's time for us to, to really think about how we can help one more kitty get into uh, a forever loving home. And if you don't have any kitties right now, do consider the wonderful uh, dual pack. <laughs> consider, exactly. two, uh, consider the two pack. That's great. Kelly, have you always had pets in your life? I have. You know, I was the one that always brought them home. You know, my mother would roll her eyes, but I was always wanting pets. You know, I cried for Rudolph. I cried for Dumbo when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I hear these stories and I was just devastated. <laughs> <laughs> that anyone would tease Rudolph or they would, you know, Dumbo was made fun of. I've always had a real sensitivity to animals and, and people, you know, and feelings and, and all of that. So I think animals are so, they're, like I said, they're such good teachers, you know, they, they're just very pure beings and they give us so much love and and for so little, you know, and, and we just have to sort of show up and feed them and love them and walk them or whatever. And I mean, these kittens have, have you know, every night they curl up with us and, and love us and the kids have so much fun with them. I mean, and I, I think it's so important for kids because I see so many kids that grow up and then they become afraid of animals because they were never around animals, you know? Mm-hmm. And you learn to care for each other and honor each other, you know? My kids learn how to honor the animals in the space they need, you know, mm-hmm. to say, look, they have feelings too and we have to honor them. And so That's I think right. it keeps us in touch with nature, which so many things take us away from nature these right. days that it's so nice to have a reminder of nature in our home and around our kids and Mm-hmm. We're all part of this greater world. And I think, uh, you know, I love mm-hmm. the fact that you talked about your children and their interaction with animals and how healthy that is. You know, American Humane Association is the only charity that's been devoted to working for protection of both children and animals and the power of that oh, wow. child-animal bond, that healing power mm-hmm. of the bond. We just presented on Capitol Hill just a few short weeks ago our groundbreaking research on canines and childhood cancer and how we believe the power of therapy 
therapy dogs at the point where the child is receiving the pediatric oncology treatment, that that can be healing. It can provide for a better quality of life for the child, helps to remove that fear factor when they're really battling the fight of their lives. Uh, you do a oh, lot of absolutely. You do a lot of amazing children's work. I understand you're the co-founder of the Children's Justice Campaign. Can you tell us a little Thank bit you. about your work with kids? Well, the Children's Justice Campaign is an organization that was created to create awareness in the media about the injustices happening to kids in the family court system. So, you know, we know that when, you know, parents are going through a divorce, depending on how conscious they are of their children's feelings and emotions through it, because Lord knows they're having their own strong <laughs> mm-hmm. emotions and feelings through it, and the effect that it has on kids and, and how sort of the system today is a bit broken down in the family court system, whether it's domestic violence or sexual abuse and, and just, or just plain divorce, you know, just, just mm-hmm. the conflict that goes on. So it's really just to raise awareness and to see how we can better protect children from having to go through the stresses of, of that system. Well, that's wonderful work. Yeah. And I understand you were recently on a panel to help moms and, and dads as well understand food labels so kids can eat healthier. We're a big believer in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm from L.A. You know, we're all into that organic stuff and Priuses and the environment, <laughs> natural natural things. But I, mm-hmm. you know, when I was younger, I was allergic to all the cleaning products in our home, and I'm very sensitive to them. So, you know, when I left home, I went out and got all natural cleaning products and those beeswax candles, because beeswax candles, they don't have the lead wick, and they actually clean the air in your mm-hmm. home which is a rare thing. And so, yeah, and, and then when I had kids, I, you know, I've always had an all-organic home and non-toxic home. And then, you know, we go out in the world, we whatever, you know, we go get our cupcakes and our we live our lives. But at home, at least, I can provide an organic environment, a non-toxic environment, and one that hopefully for the next generation will provide less of a, a toxic environment for my kids. And, uh, you know, we should do the best we can. I go to a place, I, you know, order either seventh generation or one of these brands makes an overall sort of thing for your home. It's easy to order online and or go to, you know, like a matter of health or Whole Foods or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's good information, you know, and I always try to just make it as easy as possible for everyone. Because now it is easier. You know, now you can order everything online. And- you can. You can. And not just uh, mm-hmm. labeling for what's non-toxic. We also add to that what's humanely raised for so those parents in the grocery stores can Correct. look for the American Humane Certified labeled. And that assures them that that animal, that egg, was produced in an environment that was humane for that chicken. And we think that's so important. Now we certify, I think it's 94% of all cage-free eggs in this country is certified by American Humane Association. We're really proud of that. That helps to assure moms and dads that those chickens are healthy. That is so fantastic. Oh my gosh. Really good. Good work. Good work. And speaking of good work, you've got incredibly wonderful and noble and laudable work that you do for kids and for animals. Tell us what's going to happen for your upcoming work on screen. Are we going to see you on the television soon, I hope? 
I hope so. I took a little bit of time off because I've been traveling a bit and I started uh-huh. a jewelry line and I have a website and I signed on to be the face of Peter Thomas Ross Skincare and mm-hmm. got really involved in just starting this the children's justice campaign. So that's been great. And, you know, after five and a half years on Gossip Girl, it was, you know, I had to sort of recalibrate and say, okay, who am I again? And you know, after playing <laughs> Willie Vanderwitzen for so long. But now I'm really excited to get back to work. You know, I've been doing some arcs on different shows like being Mary Jane, which is a new show, and this new show called Reckless that's coming out. So I've been kind of, I would say I'm dating, you know, mm-hmm. and I've uh, been doing that kind of thing. And then um, I'm ready now to get back on another show. I'm just now getting antsy. So I called my agents and said, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> so we'll oh, That's see. wonderful. Well, I know so many people... Yeah. They just loved you as Lily, that's for sure, you know, and so I know they're anxious for you to get back and to, and to see what's yeah. next because your fans just adore you as we all do. And, and I'm just so proud to know you because of your love for kids and animals from, you know, the Children's Justice Campaign to your work to make sure, you know, moms and dads know about labeling and your personal commitment to kitties, bunnies, dogs, and, and all animals and <laughs> how we've got to live together is just beautiful. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today and I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer with your precious family both two and four legged wonderful thank you so much this is so fun thank you for all the work that you do well we hope to have you join us at the Hero Dog Awards as we celebrate those very special working dogs in our lives we're getting ready to enter the next round of voting 24 semi-finalists from votes that have happened over a million votes from around the country for these very special Hero Dogs we're now in the semi-finalist round so I hope you'll go on to HeroDogAwards.org today and read those very special inspirational stories your kids will love it Thank you so much for joining us today, Kelly. I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer. We'll be right back with one of my favorite people and one of the biggest cat advocates I've ever met. Stay tuned to Pet Life Radio. This is Robin Gansard on Be Humane. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Dogs leave fur wherever they go. It collects all over the home. There are many tools designed to stop dog hair spreading, but their effectiveness varies, and afterwards you have to clean the tool, then the floor. With the Dyson Groom Tool, you simply deploy the bristles, then gently brush the coat. Loose fur is removed, while dead skin and allergens are captured by the vacuum. And to clean up, you simply release the trigger. To get this awesome Dyson Groom Tool, go to DysonDeals.com. That's DysonDeals.com. Hi, this is T.O.D. Anderson, and I'm the host of Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk about a variety of topics on canine behavior and training, all based on modern methods that are fun for you and your dog. We might be talking about other critters, too. So join us on Get Positive Results. We'll talk about common issues between you and your dog, answer your questions, discuss different activities you can do with your dog, and keep you posted on current canine news and products. All this on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. (laughs) 
Welcome back. You know, we've been talking all about cats for the last few weeks, and my next guest is one of America's biggest and most important cat advocates, one of the most renowned research veterinarians in the world. She is the former CEO of the Morse Animal Foundation, and since 2011, she's been the head of American Humane Association's Animal Welfare Research Institute, which she founded here for American Humane. The Animal Welfare Research Institute has performed a number of very important vital studies over the years, including the one we're in the midst of, which is helping to get more dogs and more cats out of our crowded animal shelters and rescues and into loving forever homes. This month, she is retiring from a long and distinguished career of which she has had such significant impact in the health and well-being of animals. And she has celebrated throughout her career the power of the child and human animal bond. I'm really proud to have gotten to know her over the years. It's been one of my absolute privileges to have been able to work alongside of Dr. Patricia Olson. Please welcome Dr. Patricia Olson to the show, America Humane Association's soon-to-be retired chief veterinary advisor. Patty, welcome, and thanks so much for all you've done for kids and animals, and thank you so much for your service to the greater mankind and animal kind. Well, thank you for letting me take a wonderful journey with the American Humane Association with a fabulous mission. Well, we're just proud to know you and proud to have you really help to develop our research institute and our research efforts here. You've been so vital in, in helping us to develop our humane research plank. Uh, and I know you're today out in front, Royal Virginia, at a board meeting for the Smithsonian National Zoo. Tell us what are some of the biggest challenges zoos like our fantastic National Zoo in Washington are really facing now. Well, at the Smithsonian board meeting where I just finished the board meeting today at Front Royal, I'm at the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute. And what they're doing, doing a fabulous job, but certainly need lots of help, are trying to save endangered species. So what they're looking at is how can we worldwide have conservation efforts? How can we extend, for example, the human-animal bond to talk about the human-wildlife bond? So how do we look at all these fabulous species that we hope our children and our grandchildren and our grandchildren's children will be able to enjoy and not only enjoy, but they're part of our own evolutionary biology. We get amazing clues from these animals so that we can maybe someday better understand health and disease in, in humans. You know, I think that's a really important point that people haven't yet grasped the significance of what you've just said. But don't you see a revolution in the way we see medical research happening because of what you just said? Yes, there are 60,000 vertebrae species on our planet, and sometimes us humans seem to think that we're the only one. <laughs> and, and we're, you know, it's a surprise some days, but, but we're not. So when you look at some of the species, for example, the naked mole rats and say, well, why does this animal not get cancer? Well, wouldn't we all like to know that? Whereas other mice, rodents that live amongst us, do get cancer, high incidence of cancer. When we have certain breeds of dogs that are predisposed to diabetes and others that rarely get it, we'd like to know why is that? What, what can we learn from the animals living amongst us relative to naturally occurring diseases that gives us gives the scientific community the clues to know how can we prevent disease and then how can we develop more efficacious therapies by actually getting people to work together 
assess all these clues and come up with some really innovative ideas and strategies. It's powerful, powerful. And it's all about helping the entire world population of the 60,000 plus the one species to really live a, a healthier and uh, a life that we can all contribute to in terms of the uh, the greater good of the planet as well. I know out at Front Royal is the National Zoo's breeding facility. And I read that a number of animals there have given birth, including the endangered red panda. Have you gotten a chance to see those newborns? And has that made you think about things as well? I mean, seeing new life, particularly new pandas? We did not get to see them because some other red pandas are pregnant and it's a very sensitive time. So us humans did not want to cause any additional stress. Mm -hmm. But I do have the most fabulous photographs today of cheetah cubs, six of them, who (gasps) were recently born, just as cute as you can imagine. And there's a very significant program, breeding program here at the Smithsonian to help save the highly endangered cheetah. And obviously they're having some really good success. So I have to tell you that was a real treat to uh, see these little, little ones. I love it. I love it. I bet that was fantastic. Well, speaking of cheetahs, I think it's a good good segue, Patty, uh, into cats. Because as you know, June is our wonderful Adopt-A-Cat Month. And all month long, we're encouraging people to adopt feline friends. You've headed up a, an incredibly rigorous study called Keeping Pets in Homes, which is helping to get more dogs and cats out of shelters and into forever loving homes. And importantly, helping to get those animals stay to stay in those homes and to not suddenly disappear. Can you tell us a little bit about that study and what you found out that I think surprised us all? Sure. What we found is, well, well, first of all, what we did is we looked at animals that were adopted, both dogs and cats, from six centers. And then we asked six months later, are the animals still in your home? And roughly 10% of those pets, dogs and cats, were no longer in their homes. And so if you look at the total number of animals that we think enter homes each year, that can be a significant number of animals. So what we'd like to look at then is, okay, they come into a home, which is what we all want. We want to increase adoptions. So they enter a home, but then what happens as that human-animal bond is beginning to form? What allows it to be secure or what allows it to fail. And one thing that we found that was very interesting is that if new owners can have a support system, such as whether it's family or friends or a veterinarian or somebody who's been successful with cats and can actually get information, then it's more likely, at least in our study, the statistics, the odds ratio suggested that it's more likely that these animals will stay. And that's what we'd like, because if we can bring cats into homes, and if that bond can form, and if they can stay in their home and not exit prematurely, then we'll have less unwanted Mm -hmm. roaming animals in our environment, and we think that's a good thing. We want them to have good health and good care and, and be protected from disease and injury. Absolutely, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about what our listeners can do to really help cut down on the number of animals in shelters? I mean, we know there's 4 million, maybe more, healthy, adoptable animals that are euthanized each year, which is just a tragedy, not to be able to find them homes. What can our listeners do, specific action steps they can do to to help cut down on that number, that large number? Well, certainly, if they have it in their heart and they have it in their ability to care, 
and they have the, the resources. That doesn't just mean financial. That may not be the biggest resource, but certainly time commitment. Then adopt the pet. You know, mm-hmm. I think cats can make wonderful pets, and we're finding also in research that it's sometimes younger people who are entering pet ownership that are saying that they would really like to adopt a cat. And, and just, you know, we always think of men not liking cats, and here in one of our studies, it was young men who seemed to be the population or the demographic that was very interested in adopting cats. So for a while, we said, well, yeah, but, you know, younger people, maybe they, they want to adopt, but they're not that responsible, and hence they may not retain the animal. In the American Humane Association study, retention was high in that group as well. So, mm-hmm. one, adopt a cat. You know, consider your lifestyle, but, you know, cats can be extremely wonderful pets and animals. You can give them a great life. You can generally overcome many of their so-called behavioral issues, and many behavioral issues in animals are normal behaviors for them. They're just annoying to us humans, so we can <laughs> we can learn to understand them and and work with them, but they can be fabulous pets. They can often live for several years. It's rare for a veterinarian to maybe see a 20-year-old dog, but not so with a cat. So I think there's just tremendous opportunities. And um, in one of our studies, Dr. Ganser, you know, people describe dogs as their very best friend, which we all understand. (laughs) They describe the cat as the animal, the family member that makes them laugh and smile. And I think that's true too. They have these antics that are just fabulous. And so I'd say adopt a cat. And then if you, once you get it, reach out to a support group, to a veterinarian, to to an animal behavior, see how you can address um, any issue that you think might be a concern and then just love it forever. And I think it'll be a wonderful experience. That's beautiful. You know, last year I know you also oversaw a study in conjunction with Texas A&M University detailing a business plan for making cats more appealing to potential adopters. As you just said, cats are known to make us laugh and to make us smile. What did your researchers uncover that would make cats more appealing to those who are really not sure if that's their right next pet? I think we all need to laugh well, we, more, by the way, don't you? So I think having cats, if they make us laugh, that's going to make us all live longer. But what did those students find out? Well, it was a great study. And thanks to American Humane Association, a multidisciplinary study. So we had seven students, and they came from different backgrounds, um, veterinary medicine, but medicine, psychology, project management, business, et cetera. And they came up with amazing results. First of all, the medical students said, you know, there's a lot of myths out there that we need to address. So, for example, some people may be afraid to adopt a cat if they have very young children, thinking that this cat may predispose the child to asthma. The scientific literature, on the other hand, says if a very young child is under the age of five is exposed to a cat, they may actually have a reduced risk of developing respiratory diseases. So it was interesting to see the medical student address it from the standpoint of human health, the veterinary student from the the standpoint of veterinary health, the psychology student talking about not just, again, the cat behavior, the human behavior in psychology. What they came up with was a very interesting marketing plan, which was Tux the Cat, and Tux was going to be a black cat kind of looking like it had a tuxedo on, and he Tux was going to tweet. So again, you get these younger students together, and social media is second nature to them, and they're going to have cats tweeting for 
homes for other cats. And so they did a fabulous job. And I think it, it, it speaks once again to, you know, the younger generation stepping up to give us ideas on how we can get more cats adopted, how we can keep them in homes, how we can give educational materials to owners through these various media venues. And it was just a great, a great study. So kudos to the Texas A&M students. And I think the cats in our world are glad that they did this great work. That's wonderful. I love that. And I love Tucks the Cat. That's fantastic. You know, I, I see some cats in their gorgeous coats and they look like they have little tuxedos on. So I can see that being the poster kitty for, for that Twitter campaign. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Patty, you know, on a really serious note, you've had a remarkable, distinguished, inspirational career as a veterinarian a researcher, a mentor to students everywhere. You know, as you look at the future of veterinary medicine, human medicine, and all of those intersections in between, what advice would you give to any potential or current veterinary student about their future? I think it's going to be really exciting, both for medical students and veterinary students. First of all, the younger generation seems really wanting to cooperate. They don't see the one species versus the 60,000. Generally, the younger generation sees us all as part of the planet and really wants to learn um, as much as they can from their colleagues. Relative to veterinary students, we've got a new, a couple new specialty colleges right now. One is the American College on Animal Welfare, so veterinarians can actually become board certified in animal welfare. And that's a fabulous opportunity where you have veterinarians getting the science to direct good animal welfare as our profession should do. And, and so we all have, we all take a veterinary oath that says we do the very best by animals. I think almost all veterinarians do that. But now we'll have better science to direct that with board-certified specialists. The second college that just recently was approved was for shelter veterinarians. So now you will have a board-certified discipline in shelter veterinary medicine to give them those animals in shelters the very best care that they can receive because animals in shelter, sometimes you have to address both individual health and then population health, such as infectious disease. So I think there's just tremendous opportunities. And then we've already talked about the whole new medical research model where I think we can actually start to look at preventing and curing disease because we start to share information. And that younger tribe, I maintain, Mm -hmm. will guide us. That's beautiful. Lots of hope for the future, and it's all going to help make the world a better place. And speaking of being in a better place, so much of us are looking forward to summer vacation, and I know you've got a precious family, your wonderful husband, Jerry, and you have some beautiful granddaughters and some other wonderful twin, a granddaughter and grandson that are just precious. What big summer plans are you all looking forward to? Oh, my goodness. Robin, I can hardly think about what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm a typical uh, professional, um, but we've got uh, the, the oldest granddaughter is very excited about taking driver's ed. The little ones are in um, swimming camps and are actually going to school and all sorts of things. And we may even be uh, going on a trip here to a history tour to see some history in Europe. So I think we'll have we'll have a good full summer. I think you will. And how about King Henry, that wonderful cat of yours? What's King Henry up to? Well, Henry's doing just fine. He uh, just had his picture, a new a new photograph taken, which I do all the time. I'm a, very much an amateur photographer, but 
I actually had uh, a dear friend stop by and photograph him, and he was not too pleased. But um, <laughs> he looks in the photograph, he looks extremely royal, even though he was telling me clearly that this was not the type of fame that he uh, aspired to achieve. But he's a good, he's a good boy. <laughs> I love it. I love Henry. He's just great. You've got a great human and animal family, Patty. It's wonderful. Well, you know, I know you've had such a busy schedule today. You've had fun with seeing cheetahs and uh, doing some incredibly uh, inspirational work with the Smithsonian. And you've taken this wonderful slice of time out of your busy schedule to visit with all of us, Patty. We're so proud to know you and we're just so grateful for just the opportunity to, to be part of the impact of your career. We are all impacted every day in our work at American Humane Association because the way you've touched us, the way you've mentored us, the way you've guided us. And I know on behalf of all of us and all of our constituents, we're going to miss you, but we know you're not gone. You're just simply retired. We're going to be reaching out to you often for your wise advice and counsel. Well, thank you so much and take care and have have a good rest of the day too. Oh, well, thank you. You deserve all those accolades, Patty, and we're so proud to know you. Thank you so much to Dr. Patricia Olson for her service to kids and animals, to Kelly Rutherford for being another inspirational example in Adopt-A-Cat Month. And as we think about the weeks ahead, time for us to go to our local shelter and, and help to really bring home a cat to our home or find a home for a kitty. Those of you that have community cats, hopefully you can band together with community cat organizations to help spay, trap, and neuter those community cats so we can help to reduce that community cat population in our communities. And let's all think about what it takes to be humane. We heard a lot from Kelly today, how that love of animals is really translated into uh, her children's DNA. We hear that from Patty as well. And I know as we go throughout our summer, spend time with our families, let's be sure to share our values of compassion, caring, and hope. And let's help to teach the next generation what it is to be humane. We'll visit again next week. Until then, hope you have a wonderful week. And let's all remember, adopt a cat. Take care. Talk soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.